Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 2, Christiana's Story. Links to our source text will be found in the description field of the first episode in this series. Welcome to the first episode of this series, our introduction to part two of Pilgrim's Progress. I want to begin with the ending of Bunyan's apology, that is, his justification, if you will, for writing this story. But first, please join me in prayer. O Father God, we recognize your presence here with us, and we are ever grateful. We pray that the words spoken here will be guided by the Holy Spirit, that they may find ears that can hear, hearts that are ready, and courage to carry on. Amen. So let's begin with these words that conclude Bunyan's Apology of Part 2. And I quote, Now may this little book a blessing be to those who love this little book and me, and may its buyer have no cause to say, his money is but lost or thrown away. Yea, may this second pilgrim yield that fruit, as may with each good pilgrim's fancy suit. And may it some persuade that go astray to turn their feet and heart to the right way. In the hearty prayer of the author, John Bunyan. So as you might well have expected, our introduction to Pilgrim's Progress begins not in part two, but at the very beginning of part one in the City of Destruction. Now, I've paraphrased what Dr. Maureen Bradley wrote as her description of part one so as to be an equally apt description for part two. It goes like this. It is one mother's realization of the fact that her soul and the souls of her children are bound for hell and her subsequent earnest seeking after Christ in spite of Satan's attempts to stop her. She and her family and friend are saved as they come to the cross of Christ. Amen. After their conversion, they have many experiences and several encounters with Satan and his friends as they journey towards heaven. We see how God provides for every need and is a sure help in every trial and temptation. The story ends with her entrance into heaven. Dr. Bradley also wrote, We all live in that city of destruction, and it is amazing that many people refuse to think about the most certain reality in human experience, death. Only ignorance of the scriptures, she writes, can enable people to rest securely when their immortal souls are in a gravely dangerous condition. And all of these things, of course, are just as true for Christiana, her four boys, and her friend Mercy, as they were for her husband Christian. And they are just as true for us, loved ones. Does this seem harsh? Well, 
Listen to what Jonathan Edwards says in his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, delivered on July 8, 1741. Quote, He that believeth not is condemned already, so that every unconverted man properly belongs to hell. That is his place. Now, some might suggest that such talk is hyperbole or exaggerated divisiveness, but it is the very word of God found in John 3.18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Edwards ends his remarkable and timeless sermon with this paragraph a paragraph just as needed today as it was then. And as we read this, can't you just see Pilgrim plugging his ears as he ran from the town of destruction yelling, Life! Life! Eternal life! Now here's that paragraph. Therefore let every one that is out of Christ now awake and fly from the wrath to come. The wrath of Almighty God is now undoubtedly hanging over a great part of this congregation. Let everyone fly out of Sodom. Haste and escape for your lives. Look not behind you. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. Does that last part sound familiar? Think of Lot's wife and the pillar of salt in part one. I mentioned all of this at the beginning of part one, where we found our pilgrim, a man later to be known as Christian, dressed in rags, indeed filthy rags, his sin. And he was troubled, troubled indeed, because he had been informed by his reading of God's word that his town, the city of destruction, would be burned by fire from heaven. He was, in fact, beside himself, Indeed, it is reported that he cried out in a loud voice, What shall I do? And you may well remember that he had confided in his wife and his children his deep sense of trouble and his gripping fear. And how was he greeted? Well, his family was amazed, it is written, not because they believed what he said to them was true, but because they thought he was losing his mind. They thought he was crazy, yet he continued to pray for them and to seek their companionship on his journey, while they continued to treat him rudely and openly mocked him, making light of his religious journey. And finally, having reached the end of his own ability to cope, Evangelus enters Christian's life, and, well, you know the rest of the story. But now, as part two of the story unfolds, we find his wife, Christiana, suffering from the very same unease, the same sense of urgency as her late husband did so long ago, and tearfully bemoaning her earlier treatment of her husband and seeking forgiveness for her actions. There is something marvelous going on here, isn't there, loved ones? The lessons learned from Christian's faithful and obedient service to his Lord will live long after his worldly death. And that faithfulness and that obedience will now be permeated into the very fabric of his family's existence. 
providing them a roadmap for their own journey to the cross and to the celestial city beyond. Amen. Christian's obedient life is the most significant thing to grasp as we begin Christiana's journey. Why, you might ask, because of 4.17.93. It is estimated that if a child is the first family member to come to Christ, there is but a 4% probability that the rest of the family will follow. If the mother is the first, there's a 17% probability. But if the father is the first family member to come to Christ, there is a 93% probability that everyone in the household will follow. And that is the story about to unfold. And so, as the dialogue begins, we learn from one Mr. Sagacity, with whom Bunyan is conversing, that, and I quote, they, that is, Christiana and family, are like to do as well as did Christian himself. For though they all played the fool at the first, and would by no means be persuaded by either the tears or pleadings of Christian, yet second thoughts have wrought wonderfully with them, and so they have packed up, and are also gone after him. And thus his journey becomes her journey, and how they intertwine is the subject of this class. Praise the Lord. Now some background on the book itself. As you may remember, Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, Christian's story, was written during the time when Bunyan was imprisoned for preaching without a license. The book was published in 1678, the year he was released. Part 2, Christiana's story, was published in 1684. Bunyan died just four years later in 1688. Commenter Ken Pulse points out three reasons for the Part 2 sequel. First, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 was, at this point, an enormously popular book, and so was Bunyan, both as a preacher and as a writer. In fact, it is written that he was, without exception, the most popular preacher of his day. Second, so popular was Part 1 and so desirous were Bunyan's fans of knowing what happened to Christian's wife and the four boys, that there arose many counterfeiters of his work, all producing their own Part 2 books. And third, it seems that Bunyan had more to say. But what came first was a comparison story about the end of those in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 who died in their sin. Remember ignorance? And though it's reported to have been a fine read, it didn't answer the burning question of what happened to his family. They wanted to know, his fans, what happened to Christiana and the four boys. And that's the book we now approach with such eagerness. Bunyan's goal in writing this book, as Pulse points out, was to stress the importance of both family and church as well as to replace some of the darkness and ever-lurking evil of part one with the joy and comfort that comes from the good news of the gospel. And so while the journey takes place along the same narrow way, the experiences and the lessons learned are different. Indeed, in some cases, quite different. The editor of one of our available texts puts it this way. The second part is adapted to direct and encourage female Christians and young persons, and it is hoped will be a blessing to such. 
perhaps the second part of this pilgrimage comes nearer to the ordinary experience of the great multitude of Christians than the first part. And this may have been Bunyan's intention. The first part shows, as in Christian and faithful and hopeful, the great examples of strong lights of this pilgrimage. It is as if Paul and Luther were passing over the scene. The second part shows a variety of pilgrims whose stature and experience are more on a level with our own. And so, loved ones, as Christiana's journey begins, so likewise our own. Let us pray. O oh, Father God, on bended knees we come to you, grateful for your righteousness, your mercy, even your wrath. And Father, eternally grateful are we for your Son, our Redeemer, our Lord, our King of Kings, the Lamb and the Lion. May all that we do bring you glory and honor, Father God. And may the light of Jesus in our hearts pierce the darkness and make visible the path for others, that they too may find the courage to travel that narrow way all the way to your celestial city. Amen. In our next episode, we'll start at the beginning of our text with the topic titled, Christiana and Mercy. Until then, loved ones, May the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. <laughs>